to let me know Should I stay or should I go Hello everybody, welcome to episode 13 of Hardly Committed with TJ Walker Spooky. I missed you all. No show last week because just a busy week, had to go down to Birmingham for the SEC Media Days and just with Nick covering football, it's it's kind of Wednesdays are bust for us to be able to do this and when I was out of town on a Wednesday, obviously that wasn't going to uh, wasn't going to work. So we're back, and there's a lot to talk about, as there always is with Kentucky recruiting. There's a lot that I, I I look forward to talking about, and know some nice good things. And then there's some stuff that I'm just like you all. I, I you know some of it I, I don't know. It's been it's been such a weird class, and Kentucky is going to probably end up being okay. But it's starting. You're starting to feel like okay. What if they come up empty with the bigs? What happens then? if Kentucky only gets one big player for next year and goes into a season with their second tallest player being six foot eight. Hmm. It, th- that's why the stakes are so high, and I think people continue to talk about it. But uh, we'll talk about that uh, today as well. Mike DeCourcy from the Sporting News is joining us. He's the guest this week. And there's a lot of G League talk with $125,000, Nick. And instead of wasting this time to talk about specific UK targets... Mike and I are going to talk about the G League stuff, so you and I can get to what's going on with UK specifically and all the all the Kentucky guys. Good, can't wait. Keon Brooks officially visited this weekend. Mm-hmm. I still don't think he ends up at Kentucky. Uh, we heard all the good things about the visit. Wait, he had a good visit. Can you believe it? I can. I'm shocked. I'm getting deja vu just thinking about it, but. That's exciting that uh, the visit went well. Supposedly, Kentucky, they feel like if they can make it where the NBA is the most important factor for him, then they would be able to land him. But right now, their location, playing in the Big Ten, that's what they're worried about is that even if he doesn't pick Indiana, who is the heavy favorite in his recruitment as of today, then maybe he goes to Purdue. Maybe he goes to Michigan State. The other options, the other serious options on his list, if he isn't playing right by home, he'll be playing at least several games close to home and not be too all far, not too far away for all of his other games as well. So uh, I, I think it's going to be tough for him to get out of the Big Ten. But Kentucky hopes that maybe he'll – because he was supposedly they were really impressed by the NBA success. That was like the thing that stood out about the visit. That's the one thing other schools can't match in his recruitment – it just is that going to be the the most important thing at the end of the day? We'll see. Uh, the the longer that goes on in that recruitment, probably the better, Nick. So you want him to maybe go into the spring because I think Kentucky would have a chance, a better chance then. And then it's it's in kind of the same mold as a Jaden McDaniel's. Kentucky continues to recruit him. I think Kentucky is a serious option in his recruitment. It's just I I don't know enough right now to feel confident that UK is is the leader. As I always say, Kentucky staff and people close to the staff generally feel good about most of their recruitments because why wouldn't you if you're UK? But they, you know, they're not beaming with confidence. So I probably will not be beaming with confidence with their recruitment. But I still think they think they have a chance. And uh, the the timetable for Jaden McDaniels is interesting, and the fact we just don't know of any other official visits. He's only gone to San Diego State. When's he going to get to Kentucky? Because I, I can't imagine he would strongly consider or eliminate the Cats without at least seeing campus. San Diego State feels a bit random. His brother plays there. Mm. 
and and that's a big deal. Uh, I think his brother's name is Jalen. He's pretty good. I don't. I think he's only a junior, so he could they could play together one year. Uh, but Jalen has like thought about the NBA. Supposedly, I don't think he's that good just yet. But uh, that's that's something that he is he is considering. Huh. But uh, Texas, UCLA, Washington, Kentucky, the other schools on Jaden McDaniel's list. We'll see. I think I, I think Kentucky's going to get another wing player, another guard, which, by the way, Kiki Tandy from University Heights committed to Xavier. Oh, man, I thought he was going to Kentucky. Well, he was a Kentucky target. I know you're just – you're goofing. Me? Yeah, making oh, a little goof. You, you caught me. But he, uh, he was a Kentucky target at one point, and then when asked why he hasn't gotten an offer, he told – the RIP SEC country that I don't know why they haven't gotten an offer, but it doesn't matter if he does or doesn't get the offer because if he goes to Kentucky or he's not going to go to Kentucky because they have too many guards, they think he'll be the third or fourth guy off the bench. That's not going to happen. My son's no bench player. Yeah. I mean, if you're looking for a Kentucky offer, there's ways to go about it. And I don't think that's really one of them. And I realize I've been playing with this dirty hair tie the entire radio show. I don't know whose this is. It's a hair tie, too? Yeah. So it's definitely been on somebody's person. Hair. Yeah, it has. So that's great. And I'm still holding it. So <laughs> need to. Do we have. I mean, yeah. who would be in this room that would even have a hair tie? I don't think there's been a girl in this room since at least the early 70s. And I don't. Yates, who used to work here, had long hair. Douglas doesn't put his hair in a ponytail. Well, I didn't say Douglas, but no, I'm Douglas doesn't. Thinking of people. No, I don't think Douglas has hair ties. So maybe I think it's got, it could be Yates, and it's probably what five years old. Well, at least five years old. I guess maybe Dugan's wife. Why would she come back here? And even and no disrespect to my boss's wife, but like even that, I don't want to be playing with that hair tie. Like I don't want to be playing with anybody's hair tie. Not even my wife's hair tie. No, I, I, I would. I wouldn't mind my wife's. I mean, hair ties just, are fun. I mean, they're stretchy. You get to bend them. Rubber bands are better though. Well, duh, but I don't have any rubber bands. Well, maybe I'll bring some next week. That'll be our Halloween present. <laughs> rubber bands. Rubber band. Okay, uh, where where were we? Um, rubber bands. Rubber bands. You know what? Let's do a few questions and see if, as long as they're not office Ooh, related. Here, can I can I ask a question? Because I think we need to touch on these things. Because I, well, I'm going to get to all these, but I think maybe if I can just, instead of me doing this my whole bit and then going to the questions and saying, I already talked about it. Well, the it, questions this are about be, bigs, the ones I have. These yeah. are not about bigs. This okay. is about Cal Perry, what he said at the tip-off luncheon. Okay. What you, you got? Uh, a, he... You already touched on it. You're going to touch on it with Mike DeCourcy, but he also said he's got to do some recruiting elsewhere. Where? Well, he went to Minnesota. He went to Indiana, and then he went down to Memphis. And Matthew Hurt, he saw Keon Brooks again, just the follow-up. Hey, you're back home. Now that you've had time to take it all in, what would you think? Surprisingly, Isaiah Stewart. Hmm. And that's something worth discussing. Then obviously went down to Memphis and saw James Wiseman. I'll talk about those a little bit more in detail. But the Isaiah Stewart one was the surprising one because after the official visit, things were riding high, and then it kind of just dropped off just like that, Nick, where, okay, he's visiting Michigan State, he's visiting Syracuse, nope, Kentucky, no longer the favorite. People that have a good relationship with people close to Stewart, they were backing off the Kentucky predictions, and it happened pretty quickly. 
what we heard about that was the dad was on board. I've made it, you know, I think I talked about it last week, so excuse me if I sound like a broken record, but the dad was on board. He was trying to get people close to Isaiah. I don't know if it's coaches, who else it is, fam- other family members. They, he was trying to get them on board, and something went wrong to the point that Kentucky was like, all right, well, that's fine. And I was told that unless something drastic happened, that it, the, the recruitment, Kentucky wasn't going to have a serious chance to land him. Now, that didn't say that Kentucky wasn't going to go, you know, potentially send a text message, make a phone call, see what's going on. Uh, so I think what happened was they reached out. I, I, I don't know if the dad reached out to them and said, hey, why don't you do one more pitch and let's see if we can convince him. Uh, or, hey, I, I got the people on board. I, maybe things have changed. Maybe things have, have turned back. I, I, I haven't heard. Um, I still don't think he ends up in Kentucky just because I haven't heard anything positive. But uh, the fact they were going to visit him is pretty interesting. And then James Wiseman, who will officially visit Memphis this weekend. It will be his last official visit. And, uh, you know, that's going to be a big visit for him. I don't know how much things can change since he's already been to that campus so many times. But uh, Cal went and saw him, and I'm, I'm sure he that was calculated to some degree. Okay, well, you're going to go see my biggest competition. Uh, I'll get down and get a fa- little FaceTime before you go down there. And James Wiseman, fresh off a of Florida State visit that I heard went very well. See, I'm, I'm sure that Cal was nervous once he saw James post that picture of him in a Florida State uniform on Twitter. No, what do you – again, another, another case. People – everybody but Kentucky letting their recruits wear jerseys on campus. I don't get it. I don't know why. I w- I've been told for a while that if it wasn't Kentucky or Memphis, it'd be Florida State. That was pretty strong uh, hit home over the weekend as well. So Florida State may – I think James Wiseman, he thinks they're a player. Maybe he's going to try to make them be a player. I'm not too sure. Uh, so those were the visits. And then there's a lot of rumors that Kentucky went and saw C.J. Walker, who's a brand-new name for a lot of folks. T.J. Walker? They no, saw you? No, C.J. It's my, co- it's my cousin. Okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, they went and saw C.J. Walker. I can't confirm that they did. Uh, I don't know if they've reached out. I know that um, that there's a possibility, but uh, I don't. I, you know, there were some reports that things were moving really fast between Kentucky and C.J. Walker. I'm not sure if that. It, it, I have no reason to believe that that is actually the case. Not to discredit any other information, I just haven't heard that, and it would be a surprise to some folks if that were the case. Now, maybe he'll schedule an official visit soon I think he's only taken three so he should have two left maybe you know we hear about a a Calipari going to make an in-home visit I just don't think you're going to see CJ Walker maybe commit to Kentucky like today or tomorrow I think maybe he'll sign in the fall but if we don't hear things in the next couple weeks then obviously that's not the case Uh, so for things to be moving fast we need to start hearing some stuff and I and I don't know when that will happen Uh, but we'll see all right let's do a few questions and I'll answer some other stuff in between by the way, some breaking news as we do this on Wednesday morning. Uh, Silvio De Sosa is he indefinitely gone? suspended. Or oh. not suspended, but ineligible while they do a an eligibility review. Hmm, I wonder if Bill Self will be suspended while they do an eligibility review. I read the first reply to Kansas' tweet, and somebody says, and it begins. And uh, somebody said, I have a feeling this is going to get much, much worse. There is a sense of impending doom. No surprise here. So Kansas fans are starting to freak out a little bit. And the Champions Classic is 13 days away where they will take on Michigan State. Woo! 
I wonder if people are regretting putting them number one in the country now. I do wonder how much of a distraction this will. I mean, it has to be a distraction. There's, You know, they'll say that it's not. They'll say that we're just going to go out there and have to play basketball. This is going to be a distraction. Kansas has been distraction to you recently. They had Billy Preston's car. Wow. You had um, Louisville. Louisville. Who was the guy beating on the hood of the car that was on a, um, Josh Jackson? Yeah, Josh Jackson. Yeah. yeah. It hasn't been good times for them. Nope. Uh, all right, will you uh, read some questions? Yeah, Jason said, Evan Daniel says Duke and MSU lead for Kerry. Any insight? Yeah. Uh, that. Read it one more time, sorry. Evan Daniel says Duke and Michigan State lead for Kerry. Any insight? Um, well, they both can't lead at once. That's probably what Evan's hearing the latest. I, I think I don't know if Kentucky leads. Again, I was worried about the Duke visit. I made that pretty clear on the Monday Insider Notes that that Duke visit went really, really well. Duke was the school when nobody – when everybody knew that he wasn't like close to a decision or anywhere close to a decision, Duke was always the school mentioned. And sometimes that's the a similar effect to Kentucky, like where Kentucky's not recruiting a guy for a little while. We saw it with Oscar Shubway most recently, who picked West Virginia, as you all probably know. But uh, with Oscar Shubway, we saw it most recently where Kentucky will offer somebody, Nick, and everybody panics to be like, oh, he's going to go to Kentucky. I think that happened with Vernon Carey and Duke because they, they were one of the first big schools to offer him. And everybody said, all right, well, he's going to be a Duke lean. I hadn't heard it for the longest time, the Duke buzz, the Duke momentum. It had been months since people close to on the, on the AAU side of his recruitment since they had even brought up Duke. And then after his visit this weekend, they were – all about it like they were like okay I see why so like maybe that was always right there and he just needed to go see the campus so I'm not saying Duke's the favorite I don't know who the favorite is I still think Kentucky I still think Kentucky is going to have a pretty good chance I'm not ready to concede just yet if Evan Daniels thinks it's Michigan State or Duke uh, those are the other two schools I would throw in with Kentucky Uh, and, and really the Duke buzz is is back it's new it's fresh off the visit you're hoping that calms down a little bit but uh, Evan's probably not necessarily wrong. Uh, I'm not saying he's wrong. I don't. I think Kentucky's right there, though. I do. Well, Jesse says, yeah. I don't think UK leads for Kerry. Our best shot is James. Yeah, they well, they they may not, and they may not lead for James Wiseman either. They're <gasps> all they're all right there. I still, again, I, I'm still going with James Wiseman. I'm still thinking that they can get both players, and I think I'm one of the few that actually think that's a possibility. I'm not saying it will happen. I think Vernon Carey is more willing to play with Wiseman than Wiseman is with Carey, although I don't think Wiseman is against it. But I think Carey wants to. I think he wants to play with Isaiah Stewart or he wants to play with James Wiseman. I think he he sees the Warriors and how much fun they have on a nightly basis. Why can't we do something like that in college? I think Wiseman is not against it, but I think he's also okay with the idea of being the guy. Somebody says, I don't even know at this point. Yeah, a lot of people don't. Like it, it's gonna it's gonna be wild. And you know what? I like I threw a grenade on the Monday Insider notes, and this is just personal opinion, no your, inside information. Your Matthew Peter survived. Yeah, Matthew hurt. I, I like something just seems a little like suspiciously optimistic in that recruitment <sighs> because hurts. You know, he's a smart guy, smart family. They're looking at this decision. Not they're not going with heart or anything like that. They're not going to go with well. You know he. He was the he built the biggest relationship, the biggest and the best relationship, and they've been recruiting me for years. No, he's going to go to the place where will, uh, where will help me develop, where will get, where is the place that will get me to the NBA the fastest, and and also be most competitive when I can get there, and where can I get playing time? Who will I play with? How will I be featured? They're looking at all those things. They're not going to care about. Well, you know, he came to my house every day for two years. 
And then that's not going to matter in his recruitment. And I just can't imagine they look at Kentucky's front court situation and their jaw doesn't drop and they see dollar signs in their eyes. Why is Cal sleeping on Jaden McDaniels? He'd be a perfect three or four. I wasn't really done with the Matthew Hurt bit yet. Oh, sorry. That's okay. I thought you were just wanting another question. No, I I'm just – sorry, I'm tired. It's, hey, you know what? I am too. I went, we talked about it on the radio show. I was at Elton John last night. You were working all day. All night. It's, uh, My eyes are open. All day, all night. I keep it going. Okay. <laughs> all right. Uh, but the I don't even know anymore – or the Jaden McDaniels one, excuse me. Kentucky, he's not sleeping on him. They're going and, after him. And also, like, you said he'd be a perfect three or four. Kentucky doesn't need three or fours right now. They need fives. Well, they need fours and five. They need anything. And I honestly, I do think John Calipari is truly – I think he's come to accept that, like, there is a decent chance that we're going to be playing – four scorers we're going to be small we're going to be thin we're not going to be good rebounding we're going to struggle guarding bigger teams and I think he's like almost come to accept it and he's he's embracing it because if they truly are going after CJ Walker as hard as some people think and I'm I'm not sure they're at that point right now maybe they get there I, I but I don't think they're there right now and I could be wrong about that but like if they are going after CJ Walker that just shows it you know Khalil Whitney C.J. Walker, Dante Allen, Tyrese Maxey's a really good scorer. You're going after long, lengthy forwards, and I guess you're just going to throw it all together and hope that it works. You still should have some guards coming back. So do you play Khalil Whitney at the four? That would be crazy. I'll be interested to see uh, how how this develops with C.J. Walker because he fits, he fits that mold. Uh, all right. Last but not least, ready? Yes. How do you retain your sanity keeping up with recruiting for a living? This is madness. No, oh, it's 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 drained me beyond any belief. It's really it's really tough. Uh, You're losing your hair from it. <laughs> hey, slow down, buddy. But yeah, I am. <laughs> it was kind of embarrassing yesterday. My, I at my office, my dad was there, and he was kind of standing over top of me. He was like, "Oh, you got like a little pimple on your head." I was like, "Oh." He's like, "Oh, a freckle." I was like, shit, Dad, you're not supposed to be able to see like what's on my head. I'm supposed <laughs> to have hair there. It was not a good moment. It was sad. Yeah, I cut my hair last night and like hit a pimple and was bleeding. It's like that's like that's like the oldness meeting with the youngness. I shouldn't I be in this wheelhouse. Yeah, I, I don't care about the pimple so much. I care about being able to see the pimple. I mean, no offense, you can't you can't hide it. No, I can't. It's, there's no hiding. So you had like clumps of hair you were saying on the radio show? Well, like, if it, the front, the top of my head, uh-huh. like, when it grows out, right now it's just like, oh, it looks like scalp because it's so short. But then when it grows out, it looks like little sprouts from, like, a Chia Pet that are growing out of, like, the top of my forehead. And just not a good visual. Yeah. Well, that sounds fun, though. I still, hey, by the way, I still feel good Kentucky's going to get two, two good bigs, two elite bigs, Hurt, Wiseman, Carey, maybe. I still don't feel great about Isaiah Stewart. Uh, and and I still don't think that's going to end up going to Kentucky, but the fact they went and visited them, maybe they were able to change some minds, maybe they were able to change some opinions. Who knows? Uh, As always, Kentucky will be willing to go after a grad transfer. It was funny when I asked around about that. I was told, yeah, but probably not a mid-major grad transfer because, you know, Cal's whole thing. Yeah. He's been kind of made fun of for it, that, like, he he was anti-grad transfer, and then he gets a grad transfer, and then he says, I'm anti-taking – 
grad transfers from mid-majors because coaches get fired because of that. I will say, I, I, he didn't add on to that. That was true. He did say that from the get-go. And, but he did get Julius Mays. But after Julius Mays, he did he was you know he said that before he got Reed Travis. But uh, I'm told they would probably go after another grad transfer if they needed to, and uh, there could always and and wait every year we say this and every year we see it. Coaches will get fired, coaches will leave, new jobs will open up, guys will decommit. You may see some of that. Now it may not be your elite top five bigs that Kentucky may desperately need but it could be the number 25 guy or somewhere in that ballpark. It always happens. So it looks like Kentucky may be running out of options. Uh, I'm not so sure, by the way, for not that it matters. For Oscar Shoeboy, I'm told Kentucky did finish second. There are some Illinois folks saying that like Kentucky finished last and Illinois was second, and he almost went to Illinois. Yeah. That was me holding back a laugh. Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. So, uh, but it, it just that was a head versus heart decision. Something Matthew Hurt won't do, and he ended up going to West Virginia. Uh, anything else? I think it's time to head to the annex. Well, we need to go to Mike DeCourcy first. Sorry, I get antsy. So let's go to Mike DeCourcy. We talk NBA G League. Uh, so this isn't really UK specific in terms of targets, but we do talk about Calipari, some of the things he said about it. It's a good look. Uh, DeCourcy's smart. He predicts what college basketball will look like in seven years if they get rid of the one and done and if the G League is a viable option. And, uh, folks, it's interesting. We'll be right back after we talk with Mike DeCourcy. And now joining us on Hardly Committed, Mike DeCourcy from SportingNews.com. Mike, how are you doing? I'm very well. How are you, TJ? I'm doing well. Thank you for taking the time and talking with us. This is a recruiting-specific podcast, and we don't need to get in the weeds on all these different Kentucky targets. But what I do want to talk with you about is probably the biggest news of the month with recruiting on a national level, and it has nothing to do with college recruiting. Uh, It's high school players potentially being able to go to the G League for $125,000 a year, and only elite high school players will have the opportunity uh, to go to the NBA that way. I guess just your first initial reaction to this news from the G League. Well, you know, I think that a lot of people look at it as a step forward. I I don't think it's necessarily uh, the best road for the NBA to get in competition, and it is competition with colleges for elite high school players. Uh, I don't think that they, uh, in the end, they have shown over time they don't have a great handle on how to train high school players to make the jump from from that level of basketball to professional basketball. College has shown that it really knows how to do that extremely well. It has a 75-year track record, something like that, uh, that, that they know how to take a kid who has limited basketball training and put him in a circumstance where uh, his education in the game is accelerated and then put in and then put at, his, at, at that player's you know, pace relative to his own ability and his own ability to catch on uh, into uh, a high level basketball competition, not the NBA level, but a higher level. Uh, and, and a level in which the games matter uh, to a lot of people, and, and then send them on to the NBA. And uh, I, I, th- I thought, the, honestly, that Adam Silver's response to the Rice Commission and to Mark Emmert should have been, look, we do our business this way with the age limit. It, it is working for us fabulously. 
we're going to continue to do that. If you're not happy with it, I don't understand why not, but if you're not happy with it, you can address it at, on, at your own level and, and deal with it. But this is what the way we're going to continue to do business. And then reacted if indeed uh, college basketball did something stupid like, uh, like make freshmen ineligible just despite eight kids in the NBA. Well, why do you think that the NBA didn't do that? I, to me, it looks like a long play to try to monopolize basketball and take a, as much as they can college basketball out of the picture. I think that's probably a part of it. I, I, and, and, I, and I think, again, it's short-sighted. I think that Adam Silver has made a lot of really smart decisions in his time as commissioner of the NBA, but I think this one's a short-sighted one and one that will impact uh, the popularity of his game. Uh, I, I don't think that there's any positive in, in ultimately pitting levels of basketball against one another. I think one of the reasons why the NFL is what it is, the behemoth that it is, is that it works in cooperation with college football, uh, that they, they appreciate the service that college football provides them. Uh, and, and it works for, for both levels. College football is the second most popular sport in America. Uh, and, and the NFL is the first, and that cooperation matters. And it, during the time when the NBA and, and NCAA have effectively been cooperating uh, with, with, as a result of the age limit, the NBA's popularity has, has absolutely been astronomically increased. And I use this stat because it's the most convenient. There are lots that, that show the level of popularity escalating, but this is the best one. Uh, in, 19, excuse me, in 2006, prior to the age limit rule being implemented, the New York Knicks were worth $590 million. They're now worth $3.3 billion. That's a, that's a decade, a little bit more than a decade. And, and no, it's not just the age limit rule, the one and done, whatever you want to call it, that's done that, but it's been a big part of it. It has, it has taken the league out of this mess of taking the best prospects, the, the best collection of prospects, however many there are per year, and then just throwing them into the league and hoping that some of them stick. And the ones that stick probably would have found the, the, their way uh, to the NBA, like LeBron or Kobe or KG. I um, mean, you could have sent them, like, you know, uh, you know, on a trek through the desert of, 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 uh, of Mongolia, and they still would have found their way to the NBA. They were that gifted. But so many that could have been productive NBA players crashed on the rocks. I mean, there, there, there's a story on... Um, on uh, the Players' Tribune now about Darius Miles and his experience, and there's lots of this. It, it, it goes well beyond his experience as a as a as a preps to pros player, but it, it was it's somewhat illustrative of the fact that guys like that aren't ready for the NBA. It's too big a step, it, 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 and and all, the, even the most talented players need a little time to adjust. But the ones who aren't the absolute cream, the the, the prodigies like. Kobe or LeBron, uh, those guys mostly wound up diminished, and I, I don't think that that's good for the NBA. And, and I and I don't I don't believe that getting in competition by doing this is a positive step. It's available for those, and has been available for those who absolutely don't want the college experience at any cost. I mean, uh, Darius Baisley, for instance. But even Darius Baisley, after saying, yep, I'm going to the G League, I, 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 I don't want college, I'm going to the G League, even he got up to the precipice and said, 
oh man, I don't want to compete there. I'm like, you know, I could get handed to me. Uh, let's just go hide in a in a training gym somewhere for a year, and they'll take me based on the fact that I was once a McDonald's All American. Yeah, and, and the, uh, the thing is. All this, I, 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 the initial reaction, I understand it's a big deal. The G League's going to offer $125,000 to elite prospects. But high school players have always been able to go overseas and get million, maybe million-dollar co- contracts. We even saw Jeremy Tyler leave high school early to go get paid elsewhere. That option's always been on the table. It's just it's never been in their own backyard. But the appeal of having to go play for the main Red Claws is not, is not going to be enough for that little of a price tag, in my opinion. I think ultimately we agree on on that notion. Is there a chance it just doesn't work, and the NBA tries to sweep it under the rug and say, "Yeah, okay, never mind. We'll we'll go back to the drawing board," uh, because I, I can't imagine too many players taking them up on these offers. Well, there are a couple of things that are at play. I mean, one is there's the money, and then two that they, the players can get endorsement contracts that they can't get at the college level currently. Uh, we'll, we'll see whether that holds, uh, depending on the outcome of of the name, image, and likeness uh, issue uh, that is being adjudicated at various levels. Uh, uh, but right now you can get an endorsement contract. But what, what people miss on that is that if you go to Maine, like you said, or to Grand Rapids or wherever, I mean, you're not going to be worth the level of money that you are after a year at Duke or Kentucky or UCLA or somewhere where you're on television every night. It just, I mean, it's, it, it, this is simple economics. Uh, you know, it, Mark, Marvin Bagley signed for, uh, we don't know the exact number Marvin signed for, because they announced, uh, they announced the deal and they said it was the most since Kevin Durant signed out of, out of college in 2007. Kevin Durant got $60 million. So it's somewhere in the neighborhood of $60 million. I mean, there's no way Marvin Bagley is getting that out of Shadow Mountain High School. I mean, or wherever he I, that was, that was one of his many. Uh, um, you know, he's not getting that. Because the, the, the shoe companies may know who they want, but they also don't give money away for no reason. They, they, they are in competition with one another to get the best players. But they're not going to gamble the money on a player who they're not sure whether he's going to make it. After Marvin Bagley had played in college for a year for a coach like Mike Krzyzewski, they had an understanding of what he'd be capable of doing at the NBA. But coming out of high school, you just don't know. I mean, LeBron James, okay, I get it. I saw LeBron. I knew what he was going to become. And again, it didn't matter if he spent his whole senior year in high school playing piano and never picking up a ball. He was still going to be one of the great players in NBA history. But that guy comes along once every 50 years. And you cannot define the, lev- the, the, the development of basketball prospects based on one prodigy's experiences. That would be like saying every single person who is going to go into music is going to be Prince, so nobody ever has to take a guitar lesson. Well said. We're talking with Mike DeCourcy from the Sporting News and also an analyst for Big Ten Network. John Calipari said the other day that he he thinks this won't be this won't be good and he doesn't like the fact that you're going to take kids out of high school not give them any opportunity to be able to get an education throw them into a league but he said it would help Kentucky and he also said it, it's only going to be maybe five players a year none of those guys were coming to UK either anyways it, it didn't make a difference what did you make of both those comments that it would help UK and that it that they weren't going after some of these guys, which they certainly seem like they would be because they go after some of the top players in the class. Yeah, I'm not sure exactly where he was coming from on that. Uh, you know, I, his his 
position on all these uh, various permutations of rules that might be imp- Im- implemented to affect the the process of going from high school to the NBA draft uh, has always been Kentucky will eat first, and and I and I haven't disagreed with him on that. Although uh, if indeed uh, one and done goes away or this becomes a factor, Kentucky's going to have to eat selectively, so to speak. Uh, they're going to have to have a handle on who does want this kind of deal and who doesn't. And certainly, uh, John is very effective at at you know understanding his players and the players he recruits, and so is the staff. Uh, but uh, when 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 he was at Memphis, he had a number of players who committed to him uh, who ended up going into the draft rather than go to college. And Kendrick Perkins would be an example of that. Uh, you know, Amari Stoudemire was at one point committed to Memphis. Now he's he's not in the position. That he was at Memphis. Uh, that back then, um, if you got a player at that level to commit, you had to go ahead and move forward with it. Now he would be able to say, "Well, no, I don't think Kendrick Perkins is going to go to college, so I'll go and I'll recruit PJ Washington or whoever." Um, so that so he still has the ability to do that. Uh, but I, I do I, I didn't really understand exactly you know what he was trying to say about Kentucky wasn't going to get those players anyway. I mean, he may be referring to the fact. Then in the last two two years or so, that the absolute top of the list have been going to Duke, uh, Zion Williamson, R.J. Barrett, and those players. I mean, they would obviously be the ones that would be most coveted uh, by the NBA relative to entering the, the G League. Now, whether I, now I don't know what Zion or uh, R.J. how they would have reacted to this particular possibility, whether they would have been interested or not. Yeah, the only thing I can think of if I had to spin it for Calipari was that he meant the players that are looking, since they're going to the G League to get paid, maybe he means the ones that were looking for handouts or something along those lines. Otherwise, I have no I have no clue. They go after the top guys every year. And you're right, maybe it's the Duke. Maybe it's the fact he's referring to some of them going to Duke, but that would take him admitting that he's had a few recruiting losses, and I know he doesn't like doing that. So, uh, But although true. So I don't know. I don't know. I'm not too sure what to make of it. So let me ask you this in, in closing. Let's go seven years down the road. And, and I know so the G League thing will start immediately, and then uh, in 2022 they want to try to – get rid of one-and-dones altogether and maybe just allow elite of elite to be able to go and uh, go straight to the NBA. In 2025, is the landscape of college basketball any different of if those two things remain in place, if those two plans come to fruition? Oh, it's going to be dramatically different. There's no question about that. Uh, you'll have colleges, uh, once again, spinning their wheels, spending money, recruiting players who – ultimately will decide they have better options. And, and you know, people forget all the time and effort wasted uh, by various schools, including Duke with Sean Livingston, uh, who would have been a Blue Devil, but decided at the last minute, no, he, he could go to the draft. Uh, that, that's, a, you know, that's a colossal waste of, of time and resources and, and energy. And in, in the end, I, I, in, in too many circumstances, it's a colossal waste of talent. Uh, college basketball will go back to the best players in its game being lesser. Uh, I, I, I think there's a, there's a, and the disappointing thing and the frustrating thing for me is that there's this fantasy among college basketballs, among a certain segment of college basketball fans, that if one and done go, that, that if the one age limit rule goes away, that one and done will go away. It will not go away. The Rice Commission said, no, we don't want a baseball rule. There is, there will be no baseball rule 
in college basketball. So you will still have Luol Deng, uh, you know, the next generation's Luol Deng and Carmelo Anthony uh, and Chris Bosh and all those players come to college, uh, explode on the scene, uh, rise to the top, toward the top of the draft, and still leave after one year. So you won't see this all of a sudden, this great uh, avalanche of players who are staying four years. It's not going to happen. I mean, there, there, will there still be the occasional uh, player uh, like maybe an Emeka Okafor or, or Tyler Hansborough uh, who stayed uh, four years because it worked for them for whatever reason? Sure. But you're not all of a sudden going to be getting high-level prospects, whoever, like I said, whoever the next generation's Luol Deng is, isn't going to say, well, just because I came to college and I skipped over the high school thing, that means I'm going to stay for three or four years now. No, I mean, he's going to be the second pick in the draft. He's going to go. Mike, we really appreciate it. You know your stuff. That was fun. I wish we could talk a little bit longer about it, more stuff we could have certainly gotten to, but it's interesting times with the NBA and the G League and the NCAA, and it has nothing necessarily to do specifically with Kentucky, but it seems like every every school could be impacted in some ways. So, Mike, we appreciate it, and have a good day. All right, thank you. I enjoyed it. Just hold on, going home. All right, and we're back. Mike DeCorsi, we appreciate it. Sporting News. Does a great job as uh, as we've had him on the radio show, and he's done a good job too. So it's always fun talking with Mike DeCorsi. I think it's now time that we head back to the annex. Talk a little office? Yes. All right. We'll be right back. Welcome to the Annex. Man, that was a strenuous journey. It was. And we're still talking Halloween. We're a week away from Halloween. And we missed last week, so we had four Halloween episodes planned. Uh, We're just going to go with the flow today. Nick and I both looked at each other. We said, which one do you want to watch? Or which one do you want to review? We both said Halloween costume contest. Which is uh, in Season 7, Episode 8. And it came out October 28, 2010. Debatably, the best halloween office it's 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 either this one or just halloween yeah the original where they have to fire devin yes so one of the two um and i like this it's it's our first major party because we know the office they they throw lots of parties first major party without the party planning committee pam's pam's just has assumed her role as office manager just made one up yep and now she's the one who's in charge of playing the party. And it's in a rare uh, – she she pulled one off, folks. She did something that nobody expected she could do. It's probably her most redeeming quality is that she got Angela's approval for getting the ultimate prize, the Scranton coupon book. I, forget, I wish I knew the whole name, the, the Scranton – because it's got like a long name. Yeah. And like, worth over $10,000. <laughs> and the whole time, it's like, it's not $10,000. Like, you, you'd have to spend $100,000 to save 10000 Yeah. Yeah, you would. And uh, see, on the one hand, like, I like to think, and I probably predict that this is the case, and maybe you all can let me know. But like... I can't relate because I haven't worked in an office where there's been a contest, but I can imagine that people get like out of control excited about like silly prizes for for office contests. Yeah. 
I'm like sure. I imagine like this is relatable for a lot of people, not me unfortunately, but like it, it you know it, it does sound hilarious because nobody would really care about this coupon book. I wouldn't. I hope I never get to an age where that is like you know something that's cool for me. I don't know, Dave. You ever do you have do you clip coupons? No, but one of my uh, somebody that was in my wedding, both the the husband was on my side and the and the wife was on Hannah's side, so both of them were in the wedding. They she cuts coupons every Sunday, huh. and like we'll go to a store and be like, I got this. Here's one coupon. I got that. I got another. I'm like that's exhausting to me. That would that would just stress me out too and then you have to like go look for the exact one and uh was it the scranton wilkes barrel something coupon wilkes barrel yeah yeah Yeah. uh see i will use uh kroger coupons because a you can like just scroll through the app um or they send them to my house and the the thing that's sneaky about these um, corporations now is they know what you get so they just send you coupons for what you get whoa so like save seven bucks yesterday yeah at the grocery store so there, there's a, it pays off. Now, I don't know if it's worth going all out, but what happened as a product of it is that people went crazy, and these are undoubtedly the best costumes we've seen in the office. The 2011 Scranton-Wilkes-Barre coupon book worth over $15,000 in savings. $15,000 in savings. Yeah. Man. Yeah. Wow, that's impressive. I, I wonder... I, I, you'd have... I wonder what is the amount that you have to spend to get those fifteen thousand dollars in saving. Probably a hundred. That's just a guess. You'd have to spend two hundred thousand dollars on crap you don't actually need to get the fifteen thousand dollars <laughs> worth of benefits. <laughs> but no, but Oscar, stop being a wet blanket, buddy. Yeah. So this is the costume contest one. Uh, I still think the like this is one of the last great episodes. And again, we are going in order, but for October, if you haven't been listening all along on Hardly Committed, hopefully you have subscribed and you've left, uh, you've left a review and all that fun stuff. But we're going in order, except for the Halloween ones. We're jumping around on Halloween episodes during the month of October. And this is one of the last like great, great episodes of The Office. You have Michael, like you have all your favorites, and Gabe is a good character. Not too many people they added were good. Yeah. Gabe was good. And I thought the Danny Cordray storyline was fun for a little bit. Yeah. Like, it's not something that you could have done for seasons and they didn't do it. No. But, like, you could do it for a little while. Two episodes, and, like five-episode run. And, like, you know, we don't really hear about single Pam all that much. It's Roy, nothing, back with Roy a little bit, she little tease. She dated the guy with the, that was a cartoonist went or on something. A, went on a date with him. But, like, that's the only dating that we kind of get from Pam. Is she seeing multiple guys? Is she going out on dates regularly? We don't know. But she did go out on, a what, two dates with Danny Cordray? Yeah, never heard back from him. Never heard back from him. And uh, I like that Danny's approach to this whole thing is just to try to lie his way out of it and not talk about it. Because that's exactly what I would do. Yeah. I would just try to make something up to be flattering and... Exactly. You you, your initial one would be like, well, you know, you, you were I knew you were too good for me. But yeah. you know in the back of your mind, you know the whole time like exactly what went down. You just don't forget. So Hannah and I just celebrated our five-year dating anniversary. Like, so I don't, you know, I don't have a good gauge for this. But two dates, is that, like, are you doing, are you getting make-out territory in two dates and nowadays? Um, Probably. 
I would think probably if you go on two solo dates, I would think that there's like would the be. A, one, I think yeah. like the majority of people are maybe kissing after that. A little, little smooch. It doesn't have to be, you know. I mean, he's a good-looking guy. It doesn't have to be. So, do you think like Danny and Pam had a little makeout? You're doing the eye thing. We don't need that. <laughs> um, maybe. I bet. You, what if she was a bad kisser? Oh, I could see that. Yeah. Because I would think it's a big wet kiss. Like, I think I'm probably a bad kisser, and sorry, Hannah, if you're listening. Because, like, you know, I don't have to really impress any. Like, I don't have to impress anybody. You know. Like. So you've gotten worse. I think I, you just get complacent well, yeah. without like having to you know improve yourself. You need to be pushed. That's true. Yeah. So like, it would. I I would think I could see Pam being in a relationship with Roy for eight years, not really being pushed. Mm-hmm. That could be her only makeout between her and Jim. Oh, wow. Interesting. That is interesting. Very interesting. But uh, they go on a date, and Danny Cordray tries to get out of it, but then he he is just honest. Would you have been honest in that situation if you got called out for being being a BSer? Yeah, and I also love how – You'd be like, like, you're just annoying. I love that, like, Jim, too, like, tries to be like, oh, I'm going to – hey – you don't or, talk about her that way. Yeah, and it's like, like you dude, you've been pestering this dude all yeah. day. Just chill. Yeah. Freaking Jim. I didn't think that was very Jim. But uh, I, I do uh, – Jim finally put on that costume, though. That, that was pretty sweet of him. He finally decided to dress up and be the Popeye to her olive oil. So that was at least something nice about that solution to that story. The other subplot was the uh, back and forth between Michael and Daryl. Yeah, and I, I forget the oh, it's Daryl's going to get people to start selling paper on their trucks. Yes, and uh, a good idea. I don't know if that's practical, but like the sale, the delivery guy can just be like, "Hey, and you know, in two weeks we can come back with an extra order. You won't have to worry about anything." And then he can say yes, and then sign, and then boom, the delivery man is it made a sale. And while Gabe is announcing this, Michael's like. Daryl just said the same thing. Not putting two and two together that, like, Daryl probably just took Gabe. And then he, he goes in there and with a phone book <laughs> in between on his belly. Yeah. Because he thought he was going to get punched. Yeah. And he's dressed up as MacGruber. The MacGruber costume is really get funny. Especially Four for Michael MacGruber. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was a good SNL bit, too. Yeah, my friends loved that movie in college. They'd watch it every time they came home. I, I couldn't wasn't, watch the movie. Yeah, the movie was too... Like I, I could watch it, but I not every day. Yeah, I'm just no, not not gonna do that. Um, but I, <laughs> my favorite part about the whole thing is that Michael gets so defensive. He he storms into the back office when uh, Kevin is talking to Gabe and just starts screaming at him. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, "Why are you going? To, you have to talk to me first. And he's like. Gabe just asked if he had so many some cool Lady Gaga moves <laughs> to do on the catwalk, and I was showing him. And Michael's like, "Don't do it again." He's like, "I would never ever do that again." Just like in between tears, that is just fantastic. That is great. And uh, Gabe is Lady Gaga is great. Gabe is Lady Gaga is great. There's some really and his dance moves are hilarious. There's some ones that we get overlooked in this entire episode like i didn't realize that toby going as the clown hobo like i didn't i didn't see the call back to Devin. it did not dawn on me yeah yeah uh who what about angela kind of going a little risque 
Yeah, a little. Uh, hmm, didn't see that. Didn't see uh, that coming. <laughs> see, I like that. Like nothing really can. I mean, I guess she has sex at the office, which is one of, I guess, the boldest things you can do in this show. So maybe I'm, I'm coming off this take, but like nothing really can seem to get her away from her morality, except for a, a coupon book worth fifteen thousand dollars in savings. Like she, the coupon book is the one where she's ready, ready to cross the line. She's and, like, we know what sells in this office. <laughs> yeah, uh, and then I like that uh, that that Oscar ends up winning. Yeah, I, I didn't. I thought that Kelly, it says that she went as Katy Perry as the second part. I always thought it was like the Oompa Loompa, like uh, Willy Wonka. I also thought it was Willy Wonka. Yeah. And uh, just now I'm, learning this, yeah. that this is Katy Perry. So we got completely uh, completely thrown off. Um, <laughs> Kevin, what kind of statement are you making as Michael Moore? That I look like Michael Moore. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Todd Packer going as a pregnant nun is perfectly on oh big like, halloween big halloween party weekend coming up this upcoming one uh-huh. uh you're gonna do, reveal your costume i've already revealed it oh you but did? yeah okay. what's a what's what's your thoughts on like political edgy costumes i think they're funny it's one of those like i wouldn't do it to like a public costume party because that's just like you're asking to get annoyed by people who just like can't take a joke because like at the end of the day like it's just a joke yeah like just a joke um but like if you had somebody like as like if you had a couple with like trump like with the swamp monster or something out to drain the swamp like you know i i I don't really care i don't care at all and i'm not going to be offended by him i just think the risk reward isn't there in wearing them and like i'm having a little halloween shindig on on saturday and i like i know two people that are going to probably wear like political costumes and i just almost i i don't mind but i know people at the party may mind and i don't want to have to worry about like them being offended or them saying something to them so i'm not for them Hmm. what about nancy and uh ronald reagan that's fine i mean again I, i don't care but just not as good yeah yeah i uh yeah Whatever. Because that was Angel and the Senator. Kevin dressing up as Michael Moore. (laughs) What kind of statement are you making? Oh, man. All right. I guess that's uh, probably it. Ooh, um, shout out to Michael for dressing up as people that he probably shouldn't. How so? What does he end up going as Daryl? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 I forgot about that. Jesus is definitely his worst one. (laughs) They're like, really, Michael, you think it's a good idea? Yeah, I like that Michael starts to like be apologetic, and then when he finds out that Derek went over his head, he gets super mad again. <laughs> it's like the most Michael thing in the world. He just steals his shirt. And it's yeah. oh. well, All right, well, thank you for listening. We'll be back next Wednesday, a little spooky edition, and we will uh, see you then. This is Harley Committed, TJ Walker, and Nick Rowe. Should I stay or should I go now? Should I stay?